there's a new name for Toyota in Lanarkshire. From one of the UK's biggest names in motor retail. Macklin Motors Toyota is now open in Hamilton. We're bringing you everything Toyota backed by first class service. So come and view the stunning new Toyota range, all with up to 10 years warranty. Including the Igo Cross and the new Yaris Cross compact SUV. See our great choice of approved used Toyotas. Our formidable range of commercial vehicles, including the Hilux. Get expert servicing from our manufacturer trained technicians. And specialist advice from our Motability team. Macklin Motors Toyota is open now at Whistlebury Road, Hamilton. The Go Radio Football Show with MacklinMotors.co.uk. Your local friendly experts for new and used cars. Let's go! 16 days to go. The countdown is on to the big game. Of course, we're thinking about the old firm coming up. But of course, before that, this weekend, International Week, it's been a long break. John McGinn, the family are going to be watching you and your big brother, Stephen, is with us tonight. Stephen, you getting excited? Back at Hamden, your brother coming out with Scotland on Saturday against Cyprus. Yeah, looking forward to the day. Uh, my wee nephew, Jack's going to be a mascot. Uh, going out with John, hoping he doesn't bottle it uh, and, and actually goes out because he's quite excited about meeting a lot of the players. And, and How old is he? He's five. Wow. So. I, thought, I thought you were talking about John. Hope John doesn't bother. Oh, you're talking <laughs> young Jack, Paul's boy. All right, okay. No, but I mean, <laughs> with playing, with playing, I don't get to go and watch John that often. So I'm looking forward to uh, watching him, especially on Saturday, because I don't know how much of the ball we'll get to touch on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Can we do the intro again? I was about to say the countdown's on to the big game, and it was supposed to be Saturday, but Mark, I made a mess of it. No, yeah. not, I, no I thought you were talking about I thought you were going to say 37 sleeps to go until Inverness v Falkirk, that Absolutely. big game, yep. since we've got Stephen um, <laughs> in the shoes. So there's, yep. there's many sleeps to go to lots of big games. Paul, on the business end of the season now, it is non stop. Well, it's Scotland starting off a campaign for Euro 2024. Well, it's Celtic and Rangers going for the title. Teams try to avoid the drop. Scottish Cup semi-finals at the end of April and VAR doing everybody's head in. <laughs> We've got plenty going on. We're into the final eight or nine weeks and it's going to be non-stop. Well, you and Barry kicked off the week. I see it went everywhere after the show on Monday night. VAR, everyone's sick of it. Um, you were ready to bin it. So was Barry. So the following night, I asked John Hartson and John said, I said it months ago. It's just not working. And uh, Craig Moore had a great line. He said... We should save that money for young people's football because we know the costs are going up and up with all the, you know, the local authorities. And I understand they're under pressure. Use that money on the game instead of all the money going towards referees and the technology. There's more referees, but it's never been poorer. Stephen, you're obviously playing, but not with VAR. What do you think of it? Yeah, well, it's definitely it's it's not been productive. It's not been as productive as we like. We wanted to be smoother than it has been. Um, we obviously knew it wasn't going to overnight be a, be a huge success but it seems to be getting worse instead of better um, the timings of decisions some of the decisions are, are baffling I mean some huge decisions with, especially down the bottom of the league the implications that could have uh, later in the season huge and I'm just uh, as you say I, I'm playing in a league we don't have VAR but with the Scottish Cup run we've had a couple of Premier League referees so, and I've, in the games and I've played in a lot of games with Nick Walsh and, and Willie Colm I, I thought they enjoyed the game without the VAR Did you? they looked, as, yeah. they looked mm-hmm. in control they were making the decisions rightly or wrongly they were making and they looked to him and, uh, you wouldn't ask them but they looked to have enjoyed it without the VAR on the night but they don't speak Mark so again what's this no. day five since those games nobody's saying anything from the authorities nobody come on they need to communicate yeah. maybe we're missing something and and we keep saying yeah who's in charge of the referee yeah. of the game now is it the referee or is it the VAR official well it, you know your first point 
Paul about you know communication um, we deserve communication football supporters are paying money to go into grounds and they're spending 10, 12, 14, 16 minutes every Saturday afternoon static no communication no big screens as to what's going on it's not good enough they're the pain customer they're the lifeblood of the game they're frustrated and they're angry you then get managers players chairman chief executive who are exasperated with VAR and rightly so um, I think for a couple of years the standard of a referee has been good enough and it pains me to say it it's been the lowest that I can remember in decades and I thought that VAR would be helpful because VAR is there to, to assist them now VAR is good what we need to remember is VAR is video assistant referee so it's two separate things mm -hmm. it's a human being yeah. looking at technology different camera angles you would think with the benefit of the camera angles and the extra technology that the human being the VAR in the van mm -hmm would assist the referee make the right decisions. I'm absolutely astonished at the amount of wrong calls are still... Up. And I know it's down to human opinion, but some of them, you're thinking, wow, how can you look at that time and time again and not reach the right decision? Your next point, it should always be the man on the field, the referee. And what needs to happen more is Van needs to go in his ear, yeah, and say, look, do you know what? Go and have a look at that. Go over the screen. Now, by the way, see if he contradicts He's van official, too bad. Mm. They need to stop the old pals act, mm. protecting, oh, I don't want it because he's my pal, I don't want it, mate. not, forget it. You need to make the right decision and there's too many of officials embarrassing themselves now, even with the benefit of the technology and it's no good enough. There's livelihoods at stake. Stephen knows that, he's been involved in promotion battles, relegation battles, it's not just about players, it's people behind the scenes as well. Our referees need to be better and the final point to go back to communication, it's Crawford Allen and yeah. the SFA and they need to show leadership. They need to show leadership and come out and explain. Ian Maxwell said that the start of this process would be teething problems. I don't think any of us anticipated just how many teething problems there would be and the fact that it's still going on and what are we, five months into that? And it's still going on and last weekend was worse than ever. We need leadership. We need communication. We need dialogue. We need it to be better full stop every week call the dentist the teething problems should now be they need to be sorted out and Crawford Allen spoke I thought really well um, some of you went along Andy Walker I know was there at when yeah we were, the open uh, house yeah, yeah great and, and that's that the way it should be Paul because yeah. they are human we get yeah. it and by the way they're all decent guys sure. good, yeah. but, but listen they've got a job to do and if they're not doing it properly then they'll, they'll be called out and I think do you know what I, I, when you look at referees now as well we can't see what's going on in the vans at Clydesdale House but we can see the referees on the pitch I think they look really fed up with it, Paul. I think they're like, oh, all that standing about with the yeah. finger in the ear. I think they, they've had enough of it uh, as well. We, we, we lost the derby recently to Dunfermline yep. in the first goal. I uh, don't know if anyone's seen it. The ball doesn't cross mm -hmm. the line. Sure. Crawford Allen makes an apology to John McGlynn. Look, we got that wrong. The ball doesn't cross the line. Human error. You can kind of get on board with it. The, the thing that you frustrates me and watching these Premier League games you're watching back decisions and it looks quite clear that they've got it wrong. Why does it take so long to, to change it? And sometimes they don't even change it. Um, and as I said, the, the implications, Dundee United getting that really soft penalty again against them, Kilmarnock not getting the handball decision at the weekend. Sure. These, these points could be, as you say, the difference between being in the Championship with the Premier League next season. Well, Jim Goodwin, how he could sleep after that the other night, he must have been going, there's never a penalty. 
Yeah. And they, they may well have won the game. We don't know, but they could well have won the game. They were playing so well. It could have been start of the revival. Look at Kilmarnock, you mentioned it, and no harm to Andy Considine, but that was a that was a clear connect yeah. by the, the defender. Why did I don't know why they miss it. But also, you just touched on something. Maybe the referees need to say, okay, I hear you, but the referees referee the game and should yeah. do. And yeah. VAR VAR is there, the, the, the keys in the yeah. name. Yeah. Video assistant. Yeah. Not match referee, video assistant. So if there's something for him to see with the benefit of a replay on the screen, then get him over the screen. They need to make more of the decisions by going over to the screen. And like I said, I think there's too much protection, too much self-protection, too much old pals act um, between the match referee and the VAR. So if VAR gets it wrong by calling them over, you need to call these guys out as well. There's been there's there's not there's not enough of it. We speak about communication being important. There's an issue at Far Park. There's been a few incidents. One in the Celtic game, um, a couple in the Rangers game with the offsides. Yeah, there's obviously sure. half a stand at that side of the pitch. Yeah. There's a there's an issue where the camera is. It would have been nice for the dialogue to say or someone to come out and explain. Look, this is what we've seen at live time. His we've got to. I mean, he's slightly offside. He's slightly onside. Mm-hmm. This is this is what we've seen. That's why we gave a decision because as a viewer, as someone watching the game, you can't really we can't see what we're seeing. We're trying to guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, see, people try to guess off the cut of grass. Yeah. If sure. they can see exactly this is what we saw, this is why we gave it, we can maybe get on board with it. Stephen, here's the key question. Can you get us one of the new retro, the centenary or the 150-year Scotland strip? It is fantastic. It's far too expensive and it's on eBay now at £300. So, best caller, could you get us one? Best caller, tonight you can get one. No, no you, you can't, can you? No, no. But John, <laughs> John did offer us a, disc, a discount Good. code the other day, yeah, but... Of a well-known f- uh, football site online Pine Bovro had already offered the same disc- <laughs> discount code so we're uh, beaten to the punch how much did they get was the discount I think it worked out at 30% but oh, I think right. the Scottish yeah. public nearly took JD um, off the shelf so I think they cut it again So, but it, yeah. it is a bit pricey but it's a lovely strip sure I was going to say the best caller tonight gets the strip but we, we can't guarantee we'll get it and the money can go to a charity but uh, Mark it, look we're the Glasgow radio station. We love the fact the game's here in Glasgow. We're getting right up for it, but we're also missing the league stuff. It's been yeah. amazing, hasn't it? You know, there's been so yeah. much, you know, Celtic uh, playing so well, you know, out and top, doing no wrong. Uh, Michael Bale, what's that? 18 games, only one defeat. Um, it's been a phenomenal run, um, but it's it rests now for a short time. But no doubt we'll talk about what's happening behind the scenes because it's unusual, the, the international... Uh, players some of them away you're always nervous I would imagine when you're at a football club when your players are away on international duty yeah yeah I mean yeah you, you it's never um, straightforward particularly now Paul you know every manager will just be, be hoping that their players return um, unscathed and they're ready for an eight week uh, tilted you know it's going to be non-stop if you're involved in the Scottish Cup um, lots of issues still to be settled lots of excitement to come we're going to full houses and stadiums up and down the country uh, for the next eight weeks there was a Falkirk and Ferm again 9,000 there a couple of weeks ago in League 1 9,600 so, 9,600 so you look at it the amount of fans are just itching to get into it and yes the Scotland games are important we want to see Steve Clark and, and his men getting off to a, uh, a really good start in the next uh, two games Cyprus and Spain at home full houses at Hamden and then we're back into the uh, the league stuff and uh, there's so much riding for so many clubs so many managers players there's, there's, there's a lot to be settled and a lot to look forward to we've got games of course tomorrow night Air against Cove Rangers Inverness Cali Thistle against Partick Thistle Queen's Park against Arbroath and Stephen your own team 
Falkirk Gure in action against Kelty tomorrow. There's Edinburgh against Queen of the South and Clyde against Airdrie. I haven't mentioned the game at Palmerston the other day. We might talk about it later, but probably not. It must be hard after such a high in the cup to going playing at Palmerston in front of a thousand people. Yeah, and, and, and I suppose that's why the top players are the top players because they can come off that high and, and go and produce again. We were, uh, we were the opposite of that. We were really flat. We, we, we just couldn't get going. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a strange time of the week. I mean, we don't really do cam in, in this city. No. We, we quite like the, the fast-moving <laughs> yeah. pace and for three or four days, nothing really happens. And then as soon as the Scotland game kicks off at three o'clock, uh, whether it goes well or goes bad, it goes into a really fast, intense period with Scotland for three or four days and then the domestic stuff quickly comes back. It does. So John Carver, as you probably know, was on international media duty the other day. It's going to be Steve Clark tomorrow. I like the way he spoke and he, he spoke and he told us about getting together with the players the other evening. Sitting at dinner last night was one of the noisiest dining rooms I've been involved in because the lads were so pleased to see each other. There's a great spirit, but there's some ambition there as well. And the disappointment, we have to use that disappointment of not qualifying for the World Cup and sitting watching it on TV to our advantage. And I'm sure every single player that's come in is motivated to make sure that we try and get into this next tournament and be competitive and continue that into the following World Cup. Mark? Yeah, I've been in John Carver's company a few times uh, socially. He's very infectious. Uh, you know, He's genuinely taking Scotland... Um, into his heart you know a proud uh, Geordie proud Englishman but has grown to to, to love Scotland and, and what it's about he knows what it means to the national team he's a very trusted and valued member uh, of Steve Clark's uh, backroom staff and uh, yeah I, I like the way uh, he spoke that you see John being a part of just getting them up because Steve Clark and his management backroom staff Paul they've been, they've been like five months without any involvement I mean, they, they'll be the dining room will be, no the room will be noisy because they'll be noisy they'll be more up for it uh, yeah. than the players and that's that's great to hear is he Newcastle Brown Ale man he sounds as though he is doesn't and he Newcastle, I'd imagine John I so, eh? Newcastle Brown Ale yeah. every now and again <laughs> yep. uh, Stephen uh, John you can hear that the players uh, we know that there's such a unity among that squad any feedback about how they've been the last few days no uh, it's something I mean it's, it's well known they've built that over years uh, Steve Clark's done an amazing job obviously on the park but off the park I mean you look at any squad get named I mean a record for not having pullouts must be up there with anyone around um, Europe over the last few years I mean no matter who it is what they're carrying they turn up because they like each other's company they're a good group and as John Carver said they're really ambitious they are desperate to get to another Euros especially one with, with full houses in so Saturday's the start of the next journey and they want to achieve something special together again and as I said that the record for no turn-offs to be, to be commended because especially at this time of the season some of these boys will be touching 50 games it's mm -hmm. to, to come and ready to go and give everything for their country is uh, something we we really wanted 10 years ago Give us your teams 08, 08, 17, 17, 700 Mark and Stephen not mm -hmm. right away but in the next few minutes uh, have a think of how you would line up Scotland here's uh, Lyndon Dykes will he be in your team he's back from illness Yeah it was tough from us going to the Euros now we having that success and being involved in that, I think everything that comes up to us now when we're not involved in it, it's going to hurt us. Um, we all want to play in major tournaments and especially from what we have recently done and recently um, showed what we can do, I think going forward we need to make sure we build that momentum and keep trying to build together to make sure when these opportunities come up we don't miss out on those opportunities because 
the last thing you want to do is be sitting at home watching those games on TV thinking we should be there. Exactly. We've had that feeling too often, Stephen, haven't we? That we've missed out. Uh, it's good that he's back and fit because uh, it was really worrying when he was uh, rushed into hospital. It takes you back. It, takes, it opens your eyes a bit. Obviously, you take away from football and just think about your health. Those days after that, when I was in hospital, you know, the, the medicine that I was on wasn't quite working as best as they wanted it to at the hospital. Um, and there was no thought in my mind about football at that time. It was about myself and my family, my wife, my kids. Um, so after obviously started to feel a little bit better, then I could start to think about that again. But at the end of the day, it comes down to everyone's health and uh, to make sure that you're 100%. And it's great that he's back. Yeah, I mean, when the news broke a few months back, yeah, I mean, you're, you're automatically writing them off for, for, for Scotland for a while. So brilliant, he's made such a recovery to be available for, for us. And he's a big part of what Steve Clark wants to do going forward. So uh, first and foremost, delighted that he's, that he's health better and even better that he's available for selection. And he might even be in your team, which you're going to tell us after the break. Maybe he's I, maybe he's no, mm. as Sir Kenny would say with that excellent... <laughs> Column that he's got. You still right? You still working yeah, was, with Kenny was, on that? I was, I was brilliant. Blaring them yep. today. Yep. yep. What, what's the word from Kenny? What's he saying? Yeah, he's, he's from Scotland. Read it on Sunday yeah, on the Sunday he's, Post. He's, he's looking forward yeah. to it. Yeah, big Scotland fan, Kenny, yeah. and he's also in charge of the Liverpool Legends team on on Saturday against them. Um, the Celtic Legends team at Anfield so yeah he's, he's right up for that really looking forward to it of course as Stephen Gerrard will be he's playing isn't he in the, I would imagine the Liverpool Stephen Gerrard is yeah, yeah for Liverpool indeed. Yeah. and for Celtic a strong team as well and Barry's playing as well that's on Sunday, Sunday at yeah. Ibrox yep. against uh, a world team isn't it a Premier yeah, League Premier team League yeah Premier League world to select yep. Perez and so many others as well yep that'll be you in a few years but not yet Stephen 08 08 17 17 700 if you want to speak to Stephen again and Mark Weedy, final point from Lee, uh, Lyndon Dykes about his health problems. Yeah, it was concerning. Um, obviously, we went kind of zero to 100 really quick. You know, it was kind of, it was quite serious. Obviously, I was in hospital for eight days um, and it was quite tough on me and my body and it wasn't really a nice place and uh, I wish, obviously, no one to be in that kind of, that situation. Obviously, there was, uh, well, it was a big story yesterday about Orium and it's taken some stick from John Carver. He was saying how good it is to be training at Lesser Hamden. This is what Lyndon Dyke said about the training HQ in Edinburgh. Myself, I didn't, I was never in that situation um, to feel it was like that. But obviously, if the staff and himself, they stood back from them watching us train and they thought that, then that's fair enough. Um, you know, obviously, when it rains, it's it was quite slippery and um, it did cut up, you know, the odd time. But uh, for me training there and myself, I couldn't really comment on that because I never felt like I was in that kind of dangerous uh, place. So obviously it's different, everyone's different. Um, and for him and the coaching staff, if that's something that they thought was, you know, something that they discussed, then obviously it's definitely something that's came up. Diplomatic core? Yeah, yeah. Paul, look, the, the, the issue is, what you find now, you look through that Scotland squad, they're all playing for top clubs with top training grounds everywhere, yeah. all over the UK and, and the boys that are in Italy. So they're used to the best of the best and rightly so. So they're not wanting a dip in standards. So I know there was a core of Scotland players about four or five years ago when, when they were at one of the hotels in the outskirts of Glasgow. It was a beautiful hotel, but the pitches, the surface, wasn't good enough. Orium, you're going there, you hear the boys, it's cutting up. You're playing second fiddle to the rugby team certain things what? as well they'll tell me a wee bit cramped so Steve Clark and his boys at the start of the squad have said to the SFA no it needs to be better we want to qualify as they all say it's the small percentages the small gains so that's one thing that you credit the SFA for 
they've spent a lot of money and they've put, put a lot of money into it and backed it best hotels in Glasgow build up to the game best preparation uh, possible so you've got to credit Ian Maxwell and SFA uh, for that because it was um, it wasn't to the full satisfaction of the manager and the players they've addressed it and they've sorted it so good on them John Carver spoke about the pitch at the Orion well it looked good on the eye you guys were there quite often and you're only seeing it's working in small areas but for some reason the, the surface would just give away so to the guys who, who were training on it it was a for me, it was a safety hazard. It was a health risk. And I'm surprised we didn't get any really serious injuries from it. Especially the pace and the tempo that these guys were playing at and are playing at now. And, 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 and it was a big concern. It was a huge concern. Yeah, and Mark, that's strong. Yeah, it is. Another thing about that as well, you've got to be mindful of, Paul. Um, Steve Clark and his staff don't want to be sending back injured players. The players have been injured and dodgy. So otherwise... Yeah. You'll start seeing call-offs. You'll start seeing clubs putting pressure on their players not to attend if they're playing in dodgy surfaces with the potential of injury. So you've got to take all that into account as well. Klopp, Arteta, you know, Ten Hag, they're not having it. Yeah, uh, Unai Emery as well. Stephen McGinn's here. So is Mark Guidi. We're going to take some calls in a moment. 0808 17 17 700. The Go Radio Football Show with MacklinMotors.co.uk Your local friendly experts for new and used cars. Let's go! Go Radio Football Show is Thursday night, just two days away from Scotland against Cyprus. Two o'clock, Hampden Park on Saturday, the big one. And then 7.45 Tuesday night, Spain in town against Scotland. It is beginning to build now. Thanks for all the comments. People coming on with different teams. Mark, Stephen, who wants to go first? How do you think? Well, in fact, well, we do it with the keepers first of all. Who would you go with? Mark, yourself, a former keeper. We know yep. the story. They're all uncapped. Uh, I would go with Xander Clark, but I think the manager will go with Angus Gunn. But I would 100% go with Xander Clark. Why? I think he's the best goalkeeper at the three. What about the weekend? Yeah, listen, I think the whole Hearts team had looked a bit off the boil, off the pace. So I think Xander was a bit unprotected there was probably only one goal you thought yep we should be doing better it was the third goal that apart still pulled off a couple of saves watched him the week before at home St Johnson he's had two worldies yeah. to make sure Hart gets the points at, at vital times he's taken over big gloves in Craig Gordon he's playing in front of uh, a demanding crowd at Tynecastle every other week uh, and I think he's handled the pressure and I think he's been a really good first team goalkeeper for probably four seasons now and I think he's ready for it Stephen, who's your goalkeeper on Saturday? Well, I think Steve Clark. I don't know a lot about Angus Gunn. Mm. I think Steve Clark goes with Angus Gunn. I think the two Scottish-based boys will be disappointed with the weekends and the timings of their performances. Um, as Mark says, I th- I've been really impressed with Xander Clark. It's not easy taking over from Craig Gordon at Hearts and uh, the per- his performances over the last f- uh, few seasons. And Xander Clark's just went in as if he was a natural. Um, so yeah, he'll be disappointed with his performance at the weekend. Back four, back three, Mark? Uh, well, uh, my formation's a, yeah. a three, four, two, one, Paul. Mm. That's a formation. Back three, you looked at the options. Um, mm. The most obvious one for me, Kieran Tierney plays all sure. day long on the left-hand side. I'm, I'm not overly enamoured with the other options, I have to be honest. Okay. Uh, yeah. But I'll go with Grant Hanley um, and uh, and Porteous um, as the, the two other um, centre-halves, uh, Ryan Porteous mm. and... Grant Hanley. So back three of Hanley, Porteous and Tierney. Okay. Stephen? Well, well, what I would go with 
it's slightly different okay. from what I think um, Steve Clark will go with I've gone for Portis uh, Grant Hanley and Kieran Tierney mm-hmm. I think the only change Steve Clark might make to that is I think he br- might bring Jack Hendry in for Ryan Portis mm-hmm. I think he's played in the, in the system a lot more than Ryan and I think that's who he'll go with yep. Hendry yep. Injured? No, injured? I think he oh, might he be injured. Yeah. I, think, I think he might be injured. So I think he might be. We'll go with Portis. Yeah. Go with Portis, exactly. Um, and Ryan Portis in the media today, it's been, uh, he paid tribute to Ron Gordon, who did so much to get him the transfer to Watford in January. Some really good stuff in the papers today. And he's really matured, hasn't he, Stephen? He's got better and better. I mean, a year ago, he's a bit of a bomb scare. Yeah, well, you say that, but in the, I think the same interviews he's talking about going to your hearts away or Rangers away with the Hibs fans. So, yeah. Uh, He'll never be, uh, he'll never fully uh, mature. I don't think. I don't know why I did that. It's trying to be diplomatic. Do you think that's just his character? And he, he I don't think. Care? I mean, yeah. it's the way he plays. He, he's got that edge to him, and if he ever lose, lost that edge on and off the park, then he'd be, he wouldn't be the same player. So yeah, um, he, he loves it. Loves. Yep. I think he'll miss the, the intensity of the those Hibs Hearts and Hibs Rangers games. And you played alongside him. I know it was during COVID times, but you were there. What was he like in training? Did he, did he train the way that he plays? Give everything. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, I mean, it was, it was a good side that year at Hibs. We, we finished third. Um, got to Hamden a few times. It, it was a real competitive edge to training and Ryan was a big part of that. A couple of times, a um, couple of naughty tackles as he does. I mean, just plays sure. like, play, uh, trains like he plays. But I think his performances for Scotland, uh, I think shows... And his performance mm-hmm. for Watford, I think I know a few people still down at Watford and they've raved about his impact since he came in. So... It wouldn't shock me if, if Steve Clark gives him the nod. Mark, your team then? Who yeah, else? So it's back three. Yep. So a midfield four, um, Aaron Hickey on the right, Andy Robertson, Skip on the left, and a central two of Callum McGregor and Scott McTominay. Now, Steve Clark really, really likes Ryan Jack. Really likes him. I just think he's not a lot of top team football. Um, but And I think as well, McTominay just gives you that extra height at set pieces, defending yep. and... Uh, Attacking, I think Callum McGregor picks himself. But the key here for me, Paul, mm-hmm. we need to be in the front foot in this yeah, game. Sure. Are your two wide fullbacks, if you want to call them, Hickey and Robertson? Because yeah. I don't, again, looking through the squad, there's some really talented players, but I don't think we're blessed with any great wingers, to be honest. So you're going to be relying on your, your so called fullbacks, mm-hmm. giving you that width and giving you that ammunition into the box. Ahead of them, uh, John McGinn can, can peel wide and, and get balls in. He's been doing that well for Aston Villa under you and I. Uh, Emery, I'd have John McGinn. And Lewis Ferguson is your two off the striker. Yeah. So that's why three four two one and the strikers all day long she Adams. She Adams. I think everyone agrees on that, right? So that's that's Lewis Ferguson was chosen last night by Peter Grant and by his uncle Barry. Yeah. So sure. yeah. It, 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 yeah. It, it, I, I think it comes weekend, down to maybe yeah. only thirteen or fourteen for the outfield mm-hmm. spot. So listen, Ryan Christie make a shoot as I say, Ryan, Ryan Jack. Um, apart from that, I think the team kind of picks itself so there's one or two I think we are knowns but most of it picks itself and just thinking coming to Stephen to finish it off in a minute it was Steve Clark's first game as you know was 2019 against Cyprus and his team against them was David Marshall Stephen O'Donnell Charlie Mulgrew Scott McKenna Andy Robertson uh, John McGinn Kenny McLean Callum McGregor and James Forrest Armstrong came on for McGregor and McTominay came on for John McGinn so we had somebody white and James Forrest just looking at the, the way it was then. Stephen, what do you reckon? Do you agree with Mark or would you? Yeah, I mean, pretty similar. The one thing I think in the Cyprus game he'll, he'll look to have the two strikers playing. I think he'll go with the 3 4 1 2 and in the Spain game might think about going with the 3 4 2 1 mm-hmm. and bring the extra midfielder in. Obviously, it'd be 
a lot less of the ball. I think against Cyprus, we're going to have to make them defend. We're going to be looking to put balls in the box. So I think I think Lyndon Dykes make the nod. So I've gone with the same middle four, Hickey, McTominay, McGregor and Andy Robertson. And I've got John McGinn behind Lyndon Dykes and Shea Adams. Mm-hmm. Strong, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I yeah. like the look of that team as well. I mean, I, I get what I, I didn't. I, I always like a front two. Paul it doesn't happen very often, but I like a yeah. front two, particularly when you're at home. You know, this is on you now to go and get a good start and win the game. I just thought with, with Lyndon Dykes, everything that he's been through recently, it might be a wee bit much from. But that said, if he's got a partner, that's the only decision is, is, is a lone striker, and him and Adams perform well together. There's no yeah. doubt about that. So look, yeah, there's. There's, there's every chance that will happen what do you think at home give us a call 0808 17 17 700 or you can join the conversation at Go Football Show uh, John Carver was speaking about the two call-ups uh, first of all he spoke about Dominic Hyam yeah I mean he's playing on a side who are doing extremely well in the championship uh, I think the fifth at the moment and obviously they had the disappointment of the quarter-finals but it's somebody we've been keeping an eye on for a while obviously in this period, because we've not had anything to do since we last played, which is about four months, part of our jobs is going out and watching players. And he's one player that we've been watching. So we know a lot about him. We know he's been on the, involved with the under-21s. So, you know, it wasn't hard for Steve to call him up. He's been through you know, under-19s, under-21s, but hasn't been in the full squad, Mark. Mm. We don't know too much about him, but 36 games this year in a, a good Blackburn team. Yeah, you know, a solid team. Um, you know, they've been you know, pushing in and around that top six for, for most of it. You know, they've got a good um, manager um, as well, and Sean uh, Masson, um who's come in and, and you know, really got a, a grip of the place. So, yeah, look, you've got to trust it, as, as John Carver says. They're out watching games every week there. They're studying every central defender um, available and they've, they've introduced him at 27. Sounds like a great age. And uh, yeah, if he's given the nod, why not? Stephen, have you ever come up against him? Did you play against him? I know you just missed each other kind of age-wise. No, no, I've I just missed by the time I, I think his first year at Coventry, I was I was up in Scotland. So yep. I've missed each other a bit. As um, Mark says, John Carver and Steve Clark watch a lot of football in England. They've worked in this English Championship. They know the standard of it. They know it inside out. So he said he said a good four or five years in in the Championship now, playing regularly for Coventry and then Blackburn. So um, I'm sure he'll add something to the squad. We're playing that three at the back. We you can never have enough uh, centre halves dominant that, that Steve Clark will be looking for. We, we now know that Greg Taylor only played for a bit on Saturday and then he came off. Uh, so Anthony Rawson has been called up for the Scotland squad because of the injury to Jack Henry. Well, we just wanted to make sure, just in case something happened whilst we were here, that we had enough defenders. Because Anthony can play on the right, he can play on the left. Also, we, we might consider somebody else playing in a different position so Tony can fit into that role. And he's, he's multi-purpose. And, and we know all about him. He's done it in the past. He's been a little bit unfortunate because he's not been a regular in the Celtic team. But on the occasions he has played, and I've seen him quite a bit, he's done really well. So uh, uh, it was it was wise to bring him into the group um, rather than calling him up later on. So uh, the fact that we have the two home games. Must be difficult in many ways for Anthony Rawson in that mm. he played so well last season. Yeah. It was a, a huge season for him and he was one of the big successes under yeah. Ange. Yeah. Um, but he finds himself mainly on the bench. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, he's still there or thereabouts. It's a squad game, Paul. Yep. Like, like he's, you know, because of Juranovic and um, Alistair Johnson now, his game time has, has been limited. Um, but the good thing you can tell about that, um, he's a good professional. When you listen to John Carver, they only bring guys into the group that they know that they trust that will fit in with the balance 
won't be you know causing ruptures behind the scenes or being disruptive if they're not starting the game so you take all that into account Anthony Ralston has clearly earned himself a very good reputation as a player and a very good professional off the park as well and you've got to now you've got to have the full package if you're going to succeed a player and be involved in an international setup, you've got to have the full package because we could name many talented footballers that don't make it into the international setup because they're disruptive I think it shows the strength of the uh, another strength of the squad as well. I know we were speaking a few years ago about having three, four left backs and the right back position, and where where do we go with it in the future? And now Anthony Ralston getting called up is what you're looking at your third choice right right back. So I think it, it adds to the strength of the squad. Last night, did you see the Ireland game? A good win for Ireland against Latvia, and Mikey Johnson. What did you make of his performance? The Celtic player who's obviously out on loan. I didn't watch the game because I was at Disney on Ice at the Hydro ah, really? uh, dad duties but yeah. I, w- I watched the highlights and uh, really happy for Mikey Johnson um, I met him a few months back in Glasgow during, during his break from Portugal and he was saying he was loving it over there it was a new lease of life I know he had an injury hit last couple of seasons with Celtic it never quite happened from the way it looked like it might happen and I think he just reminded everyone of his quality and, and the potential he's got Mark will that be potential that you think we will see at Celtic? No, I, I think that's that's come and gone for for Mikey Johnson. You know, I think you know he was he was nearly very good for Celtic. Yeah. I think he blistered in pace, and he, you know he could really light up um, a game. I think it was once or twice he get played the centre forward. You know, I, I, sometimes it, I get the impression maybe the occasion got to him. Sometimes maybe the big um, occasion, but there's no doubt he's a talented footballer. And sometimes if you're at Celtic, if you're at Rangers, you just need to go. You need to go and find yourself elsewhere. And I think that's what Mikey Johnson is doing. Stephen's spoken to him. He's loving life um, at Guimaraes uh, in Portugal. He's now involved with the Republic of Ireland. International um, set-up made a solid impression uh, for them. So, yeah, so good luck to him. He's a talented player and uh, he's going to have a right good career. But for him, he'll know what he'll be hanging about being the 20th or the 22nd man in the Celtic squad. No. He's good enough to go and play and that's exactly what he's doing. Sure. Did you ever come up against him? Yeah, a yeah. couple of times, yeah. Um as, as with any kind of Celtic games he'd be brought on his fresh legs with about 20 minutes to go so wasn't wasn't nice he, he, had, a, he had a really good individual performance against obviously Paul being a right back at Partick Thistle that was at the time he thought this boy's got a big future and I think with Markson he was nearly I mean that moment in the Scottish uh, League Cup final when Celtic won 1-0 when he breaks away and he slips just as he's about to make it 2-0 I think it just it's how close he was to really making a success of it at Celtic because the fans would never forget that then you know if he'd scored it's, just, then, it's the sort of the moment that gives you that uh, yeah. that Mikey Johnson moment that they would have kicked him on but yeah it's like a Tony Watt moment isn't it? yep indeed yeah he scored a goal in a cup final to, to help win a uh, win a cup and what that would do for your confidence um, as well you know but look he's, he's a really good player and he'll have a top career elsewhere. Some of the other headlines today, there's not that many in Scottish football at the moment because some of the players have got time off or they're away in international duty. Alfredo Morelos, have we spoken about him recently? Um, when is he going? Where is he going? We don't know yet. But Galatasaray, the latest club to be mentioned. But Mark? Look, Paul, I mean, the only thing, I, I don't know where he's going to end up. What I could say with, with certainty, in my opinion, he's not going to beat Rangers next season. So let's be interested to see what kind of options... He has. He's on a free transfer, so he should have. He should have some lucrative um, offers in front of him. I think his ability as a footballer, there's no doubt. What raises question marks is is his professionalism. You know, you look back at his record over five or six years 
um, at uh, at Rangers, and there's been times he's he's let his football club down, let himself down, his managers, his teammates, his supporters. So um, you know, clubs do their homework, and even though you're a free transfer, you know you, you you've got to be able to show that you're like I said earlier about, and that be the full package. Um, so look, I think he's into the final ten weeks, eight, nine, ten weeks of his Rangers career. He's got a chance to really help the club do something, um, and let's see what he what he brings to the to the table. But I've I'm almost certain he won't be at Rangers next season. I think there's a part of the ways, and I think there's there's probably an, an acceptance and a willingness from both parties that um, the time for both of them together is coming going. He's got so much talent as well, Stephen, hasn't he? People listening who would love to play for their club um, and the talent that he's got. And he did really well. He's the top scorer in Europe and the Rangers fans will never forget that. But it's maybe you'll think later what might have been with him. Yeah, as a bit, I mean... His popularity, I mean, he'll be remembered for yeah. years. I mean, he's he's he'll be a cult hero. I mean, as you say, he's top record goal scorer. He's, he's got the stats to back it up. But Rangers fans absolutely love him. For a million pound, he's came in. And even in some of his dark moments, the the one group of people that's got his back is the Rangers fans. Uh, they absolutely love him to bits. And a lot of them would be sad to see him go. But I think for Rangers to move forward as a club, I think, as Mark says, the partner of the ways is... is coming around and it'll be best for both parties for him to move on a bit like you and the Falkirk fans they stand behind you and they love it you're enjoying it at Falkirk the cup semi-final what five weeks on Saturday and then on the Sunday it's Rangers Celtic 0808 17 17 700 back after this The Go Radio Football Show with MacklinMotors.co.uk your local friendly experts for new and used cars Let's go Go Radio Football Show Paul Cooney here with Stephen McGinn and Mark Guidi ahead of the big game on Saturday Scotland against Cyprus on the line delighted to welcome Laurie is on from Deniston good evening Laurie uh, Paul good evening uh, nice to be back on the show great to hear you on of, <laughs> excuse me I've been out of circulation uh, for a yeah. good while uh, Paul yeah. uh, due to having to undergo a major surgery of a life threatening nature fortunately everything has went okay and I'm happy to tell you I'm now home and recovering and recuperating. That's wonderful news. We're really pleased. Brilliant, Laurie. Yeah. No, I'm glad to hear it, Laurie. Yeah. I, hope I hope the recovery continues to go well. It's nice to hear your voice. And hear Stephen as well. Yeah, pleased for you, Laurie. Sorry to hear that initially, but I'm glad that you're on the mend. He's bounced back. You're irre- irrepressible and irreplaceable. We've missed you, Laurie. We've yeah. missed you. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, panel, thank you. Yeah. Uh, before I make my points, Paul, if I can possibly say... Uh, I'd like to thank uh, Mr. Colin Steele, my surgeon, and mm-hmm. all his surgical nursing assistants mm-hmm. at Ward 63 in Glasgow Royal Infirmary. Yeah, of course, absolutely. Ward 63 in the Royal. Yeah. Laurie, it's great Thanks, to Paul, hear you back. Uh, yeah. No, no, not at all, Laurie. It helps everything. And, uh, yeah, because Martin and Neil did ask the last time if you were there at the book signing, but... You know, you couldn't be standing around. So this is great news that you're on. You're sounding great, Laurie. You really do. So, Thank you, Paul. On that yep. occasion, when I went to the bookshop, incidentally, just yep. uh, for the purposes of clarity, <laughs> uh, I was conscious of the fact uh, that I could have asked to be taken to the front of the queue yeah. and uh, meet the Blessed Martin, but I decided not to do that because I think it might have been unfair to people who were standing in the queue before I had arrived. You're a but gent. I did get the book. Yeah, uh, albeit I never got it autographed by Martin. I will get it for the next time. Mark, yeah, I'll sort that out if you like. For sure, Laurie. We will get get that that done. Thank you. Laurie, what's in Uh, your mind, yeah, football wise? A a couple of points, Paul. Uh, Firstly, uh, just briefly, let me address VAR because I feel 
that VR is almost overshadowing the game itself. Yep. It seems mm-hmm. to be the burning topic of conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, uh, and so far as VR is concerned, I- I'm largely inclined to disagree, sorry, to agree rather uh, with Mark earlier uh, when he said that the people in the VR room uh, are, uh, you know, uh, are just officials the same as the, the, the referee on the park. As far as I'm concerned, Paul, the only thing that's incontrovertible uh, about any sport would be the magic eye lawn tennis at Wimbledon mm-hmm. and goal line technology of football. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything else is sub- subjective and open uh, to an individual's interpretation. I always get a chuckle when I hear the pundits Natelli talking about uh, handling a ball in the penalty box. Was the player in a natural or unnatural position in terms of their body shape? Well, you know, who wouldn't be in an unnatural position unless you were a contortionist? Good point, Mark. So that's my yeah, point sure. regarding that. Right, we'll come back to your next one after that. Or Stephen, what do you think about what Laurie's saying? No, I mean, I agree. One of the major successes with VAR is um, obviously what Laurie said, the goal line technology. But even like the weekend, the offside, it should be more clear cut when it, it's thrown up that. Uh, the problems, obviously, with Motherwell Stadium, there needs to be more communication that way. I'd... I think, I mean, before VAR came in, I think there was a lot of chat on and round Glasgow on refereeing decisions. I think that's always been here, always will be here. Um, what VAR's meant to have done was to make it black and white. It's not done that. It's not been the success we hoped it would be, so there's still a lot to be to worked on, for sure. Mark, the Hawkeye and the goal line technology, a lot of people have said, why do we not have that? It wouldn't give you... You, you wouldn't be able to see what's happening you know, outside the box or the edge of the box where the VAR is getting involved so much now, isn't it? Pulling the rest back, saying, look at this 20 seconds previously. But it would be incontrovertible. You would then know if the ball's gone over the line, if we had the goal line technology. Yeah, I mean, I think just overall, uh, Paul, VAR, the biggest thing for me is VAR was meant to improve the decision-making in the game. And yeah, it has to a point, but I'm genuinely astonished about how many things that are still wrong and I know as Laurie said we all know it you know 90% of decisions are still down to human opinion even with the, the, the benefit of VAR and the technology but when you watch some of the decisions and the replays in between a VAR official and a match referee they're still calling it wrong I mean they're absolutely had some major howlers major howlers and it's not good enough it's just not good enough Derek McInnes was exasperated after the game with, with Mark's team St Johnson at the weekend but he must be looking at previous handball decisions some of the ones given early in the season when it brushes people's hand Andy Considine's hands in an unnatural position yeah. a chance to make it 2-1 and it would be a huge three points and then that's not given and you're looking around and you're thinking if anything there's got to be some sort of consistency and in the summer something's got to be done about the handball rule yeah, because you're right bottom of the table we mentioned Dundee United they would be on 24 points rather than 22 and Kelly would be on 27 rather than 25 Laurie what else were you thinking? Uh, well I would like to wish uh, Stevie Clark uh, and all the staff players and coaching staff alike all the best as they start this new campaign uh, with the forthcoming games against Cyprus and Spain I think it's a difficult task uh, for Scotland I in that group because you really only have four players in my estimation anyway of standing uh, McGregor uh, the two fullbacks uh, Tierney 
uh, and uh, Andy Robertson uh, and uh, John McGinn. Uh, the rest of them uh, are honest professionals, and I want to be critical of them. Uh, and good luck to them. Best wishes uh, to them. The biggest problem I think we have is that up front uh, we have uh, a lack of prolific uh, goal-scoring uh, strikers. Shea Adams will run all day long. Yeah. Lyndon Dykes, to me, uh, is a remnant of the past. He's like an old-fashioned batter and rambushes centre-forward. Uh, but in terms of goals to minutes, I, I don't have the stats to hand, Paul, but I would expect uh, that it's un most unlikely that they're averaging a goal even every three games. Mm. Guys, yeah, I, listen. I think you know, for for a number of years we've identified that the number nine is a problem. You know, and, and say you know they're a dying breed, um, number nines. And you think we've been so fortunate with the greatest respect. You know, Shea Adams not born here, Lyndon Dykes no born here. We were speaking about it on Monday night, yeah. uh, Paul. So credit to the the, the Scotland coaching staff. Um, whether it's been Steve Clark or previously Alan McLeish or Gordon Strachan, um, for for getting these guys Scott McTominay and getting them into the fold uh, you know with competition from other countries to get these guys and thank goodness they've been a part of it Shea Adams and Lyndon Knights for all uh, they're not world class they've played a major part in the success that Scotland have had as in getting to the Euros sure. you know getting to the the, 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 the Nation Leagues uh, plus. so yeah I would love to say we've got a world class um, number nine we'd love to see it but, but sure. we don't but it just shows you again then it just heightens what we do have and that's a great team spirit and a great willingness to go and do something for the country. Stephen, you've been right through the system under 18, 19, under 21. Why do you think we're not producing Scots-born strikers anymore? Uh, no, I mean, if you look throughout the league, you've got goal scorers in the league, Lauren Shanklin, <coughs> uh, yep. Kevin Nisbet. Um, but, I mean, we're probably doing a wee bit of disservice to, to Shea Adams and Lyndon Dykes at the same time. I mean, we aren't we aren't a team that's going to go out and create a bundle of chances for these guys. They, at an international level, we're Scotland. As Laurie said, he he named four players. We're never going to have a squad, not for the foreseeable anyway, yeah. of 10, 15 top world-class players. You look at some of your neighbours that have su success in the last few years, Northern Irish team, the Welsh team, they had two or three players playing maybe right at the top of the English Premier League, but their whole success was built on a good team spirit but momentum, organisation, we've got that under Steve Clark. And getting into this campaign, I mean, if you if you look at if you, if you look at some of the teams in Haaland, stuff like that, you can the one thing we've got is that momentum, team spirit, organisation. That that's what gives me the hope that we can finish second in the group. That's a really good point, isn't it? Laurie, what do you think is going to happen? Cyprus, are you confident we're going to win? I think if we don't beat Cyprus comfortably, uh, then the problems begin. Uh, Paul, let's be honest about that. Uh, I'm quietly confident we can maybe yeah. get a result against Spain. They would appear to be a team in transition. Yeah. So fingers crossed. Incidentally, Paul, yeah. let me make it clear. Whilst I singled out that particular uh, quartet, a quint, uh, quartet rather, yeah. uh, that I'd identified, uh, by no means was a meaning to be disparaging or demeaning towards no. the rest of the players sure. in the squad. They've got plenty of endeavour. They've got a great work ethic. And Stevie Clark has them uh, well organised, they're compact and they're difficult to beat. Thanks very much, Laurie. Great to hear you. Thanks for calling. Thank you, Paul. Cheers. Yes. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye.
the quartet looked like a quintet to me. Did I miss? I think, the, I I five. Five, so a lot yeah. of you were right. It was a quintet. There was yeah. an extra Beatle. So that was yeah. that was good. Think, did mention great points. Hickey, yeah. Robertson, Tierney, mm. McGinn, and McGregor. Yeah. I think that's the five that he mentioned. I, I was thinking, please mention McGinn because we've got his brother here. Yeah. I mean, speaking about goals as well. I mean, I watched John quite often for. God, obviously throughout his whole career and sure. for whatever reason he's, he's became a bit of a goal scorer for yeah. Scotland so um, quite often the games Shea Adams Lyndon Dykes I mean they run themselves ragged and, and John pops up with a goal so there, are, there is goals and there's match winners in the team uh, in, that, in that particular team and as we say we're not, we're not going to have we'd love to all play the total football with, with flying wingers but until we um, we 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 bring them through we've got to go what we've got and, and with this squad I think it's capable of getting to another Euros I think that's a great point about the squad itself the, the comparison you made with Northern Ireland or uh, especially Northern Ireland probably that they don't have the big names but they've done so well key question is though when are we all off to Villa Park is he taking us down do you think Mark yeah, do you think he'll take us down to see John's John box, yeah. oh it's got to be done yeah, isn't it Villa Park yeah, you we'll like it it's a good stadium yeah, yeah Villa Park the yeah. atmosphere they're going to do up as well I think they're going to invest and in, uh, increase the the capacity, but no, the, the, the whole end at Villa Park, yeah. very, very passionate yeah. fans. You know, Paul, of course, a massive football club, Absolutely. Aston Villa, yeah. a massive football club. And we're talking about training grounds here. The, mm. the training facility, Body Moor Heath, is absolutely exceptional, mm. sensational. Yeah, and, and, and the odd time when he has a wee moan about his uh, facilities, where uh, <laughs> quick to quick to say we'll swap you. But no, it's, it's, it's a brilliant club, and at yeah. times I don't go down that, that often. Sure. Sometimes you go down and by 12 o'clock for a 3 o'clock kickoff, it's absolutely packed I mean the, the potentials there is massive sure is it's the Go Radio Football Show the news is coming up next and then we're back you can call 0808 17 17 700 the Go Radio Football Show with MacklinMotors.co.uk your local friendly experts for new and used cars let's go there's a new name for Toyota in Lanarkshire. From one of the UK's biggest names in motor retail. Macklin Motors Toyota is now open in Hamilton. We're bringing you everything Toyota backed by first-class service. So come and view the stunning new Toyota range, all with up to 10 years warranty. Including the Igo Cross and the new Yaris Cross compact SUV. See our great choice of approved used Toyotas. Our formidable range of commercial vehicles, including the Hilux. Get expert servicing from our manufacturer trained technicians. And specialist advice from our Motability team. Macklin Motors Toyota is open now at Whistlebury Road, Hamilton. We are so looking forward to this weekend. Scotland against Cyprus, Saturday, 2 o'clock. You've got all your tickets. You're obviously the game tomorrow night with uh, Kelty, the opposition against Falkirk. Family will be going along to the game. 50,000 there. Yeah, we're all going. Uh, as I said, looking forward to, to the game and... Well, my main excitement is whether, as I said, my wee nephew Jack, yeah. is, he goes out with John. So really looking forward to seeing that and, and what a big game. I mean, we're going into this qualifying game and we've did it in the past. We build it up as a must win and we end up don't winning, uh, win the game. So, But we've got trust in this squad that they start this campaign with, with the win and, and really get us going. Because Mark, putting it in context, we really need to qualify. We qualified. We went the, yeah. you know, the the long route to get to mm. Euro twenty twenty, which of course was played in twenty one. But we'd love to be in Germany in twenty four. Yeah, it would be great, Paul. We've got the safety net of a, a crack at a playoff, but we'd like to do it. Stephen said, I "Agree." I look through the section. It's not an easy section, but I think second place is gettable. Um, of course, you're up against not, um, Norway, you've got the goal machine in, in Haaland, you've got a Spanish team that's yeah. got talented players all over the pitch, but it, I 
if there is such a thing it might be a good time to get Spain um, but first things first we've got to beat Cyprus on Saturday if you don't if you don't win your home game against Cyprus then you're behind the eight ball and if we don't take three points on Saturday I, I can't see us qualifying I think we're, you know, we're, as, we're as good as gone you've got to win um, a game like that and then it sets you up for Tuesday and Tuesday night I don't know if Stephen agrees I'd take a point all day long so I'd take four points from, from two games if we get that I think that's a fantastic start Stephen? Yeah, snap your hand off for four points you know it's just that's probably this this, this Cyprus game it is the one game in the group you you, ha, you have to win you, you're looking at Haaland missing the, the two games I think that's the only you don't wish it ill health in anyone especially a, a superstar like that yeah, sure. but if he could time his injuries for the, the international breaks that'd be quite <laughs> ideal the Rangers obviously played yeah. Dortmund last year and, and he misses both games so it is yeah. it's possible there's I mean there's hope we can only hope but nah Looking forward to the group starting on Saturday and, and a convincing victory. Mark, what did you think when you read today Jason Cummings? Okay, so he played at Hibs, played yeah. at Rangers and um, played for Scotland, didn't he? But he hadn't played for a few years, so the yeah, new famous, rule, his yeah. mother, Australian. But if he's, if this is true what he said, he basically said, yeah, I switched to Australia because Scotland don't qualify for the World Cup. Now, yeah. it's true, we haven't qualified since 1998, but what did you make of his comments? Uh, first of all, good luck to him. You know, he's chosen Australia, yeah. he's been out there playing and listen, not see anybody making the, the best out of their career. That's first thing. Secondly, though, Paul, I don't really take Jason Cummins seriously, to be perfectly honest, you know. Um, a really good talent. He should have had, had more from his uh, career. Um, and yeah, like I say, Jason Cummins, what's he got to say? Being perfectly honest, it doesn't really interest me. Did he get Messi's top? Was it him that got it? No, it was, no, it, wasn't. Um, was it, Devlin? it was Cammy Devlin. Cammy Devlin. So it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cammy Devlin. Jason Hearts. Cummings yeah. had so much promise. Stephen, have you got a view on it when I, when you read it? I mean, I've, I've known him. He, he was a teammate of John at Hibs. Um, I think it'd be done tongue in cheek. Yeah. I don't think there's any badness to Jason Cummings. It wasn't a great read. Um, obviously, upsets upsets us because we, yeah. we get a bit frustrated with that. Would he get into your Scotland squad? No, he wouldn't. He's managed to play at a World Cup playing for Australia, so uh, congratulations to him and, and good luck for qualifying for the next one. I think it's a good summary, Mark, isn't it? You know, good yeah, luck listen, you know what? Good, good, but I don't really, no, sure. I don't take much notice of him, to be perfectly honest. Okay, what about Lesser Hamden? A lot's been said about it. I don't want to make too much about it. We spoke about it on Monday and Tuesday, but Stephen, we haven't said to you, so you heard John Carver. In fact, this is what he said about, about the pitch at the revitalised, revamped and relayed pitch at Lesser Hamden. Well, the decisions were basically we had to move from Orion because we couldn't get any accommodation in the hotel there. But also, when you've got somebody like Willie Hockey who wants to help the national team, him and his staff and the people behind the scenes have been incredible. That facility that we've trained on this morning, inside the dressing rooms, I don't know if you guys have seen it, is amazing. But the amount of people that have done so much hard work behind the scenes again is incredible considering it's queen's park's facility the surface is premier league standard right we haven't had one player slip on the surface this morning with all due respect again to orium the surface there was a safety hazard in my eyes now we've gone to this place and it's on another level now if that doesn't inspire me well it is because you can tell the way i'm speaking about it but if you ask a player it certainly will inspire a player they must have got a massive boost when they walked through the door this morning, seen those facilities, seen the changing rooms, and then walked out under the pitch, because I did. Stephen? Yeah, on the, on the Orium, yeah. I mean, it's really difficult for the players to come out and say if they slam, I mean, yeah. they would, they'd be battered for it. They'd be yeah. 
who are you to, to say that, get on with it, blah, blah, blah. This, they, they weren't totally com- uh, comfortable with it. They didn't really enjoy the Orium. They enjoyed the group, but they didn't they didn't love it. What I can say about Lesser Hamden is they say it's top draw, really loving it. They think they think it's, uh, as John said, it's, the surface is brilliant, the facilities are brilliant. And I'd heard, I'd heard all this from some of the Queen's Park guys. I mean, they rave about the potential it's got and, and how it looks and how much they're enjoying um, working there and as John uh, John Carver said John Carver worked at Newcastle for a long time and he's speaking about so so glowingly I think it just shows you what an effect it's had on the, the group There's also the other thing as well match day most important day of the week yeah. travelling through from Edinburgh say for a 7.45 kickoff on a Tuesday or Wednesday night that's maybe an, an, even with a police escort that's maybe around 20 minute journey because of the traffic so that's no ideal. That's so. Look, Paul, we, we do and we genuinely mean it. You know, everybody at top level sport, not just football talks, but small percentages, the small gains. As John Carver says, him, the staff, all the players springing their step, turning up Monday. Look at that surface. Wow. Well, look at. Look, I mean, let's take another example. Every away team that's gone to Fir Park this season. Yeah. What a lift they get just walking out mm. 45 minutes before the game. What, what a surface we're playing on the day. So you take all that into account because these guys are, are used to it. And all of a sudden, there's a real tempo training. Subconsciously, players are concerned about potentially getting injured because they're playing the top surface. You're not waiting to see when the rugby's finished. You're not crammed into a hotel. You're not getting an hour and 20 journey uh, to go and play your match. So all these wee things are ingredients that go into making a week. And then you know as John Carver's name-checked Willie Hockey there and everybody at Queen's Park, there's a willing in there for everybody to get behind you. So they're feeling good when they walk into their training base, their hotel base, because they know that everybody's behind them. The SFA hierarchy, the manager, everybody's tried that extra bit to give them the best possible preparation to go and get three points on Saturday. That's what's happened. It's now up to Andy Robertson, the players, at two o'clock on Saturday afternoon, to go and do their bit and get three points in the bag. We've used uh, with Falkirk with, with some of the kind of snow warnings and, and adverse weather even puts off our turf pitch. We've used the room a few times and it's a brilliant facility. Mm-hmm. It caters for all sports. Is, but what it is, is it's so busy. Yeah. All, as Mark says, as rugby teams, there's all sorts of sports going on, the students walking about. It's Hearts are there, aren't they? Hearts are yeah. there. It's not It's not something you identify with the national base. Mm-hmm. Our guys can go, They can. Steve Clark can work in his shape once the, the media guys go and they can work through the game plan and, and everything. It just, it, it'll be a bit more private and as Mark says, it's, it's central to, to the home park. I was there about two years ago as well. I mean, it is an impressive facility, but I've never played on it. And I think Peter Grant was saying that when he was there with Alec McLeish, obviously with Scotland, that the, it, was, it was in good condition at that point. I, I don't know. Lyndon Dykes was asked, what does he make of Lesser Hamden? Yeah, it's been great. Um, the pitch today was amazing, obviously coming in. The change rooms was great. Um, and it was, yeah, it was it was really good, obviously, to see how much money uh, Queen's Park and that have put into that pitch and the facilities that we have got, obviously, coming in. Um, obviously, I've been in previous ones before, but then coming in today, um, it was a different feeling and um, the facilities that we have for us here uh, is definitely definitely improvement and like I said before for us wanting to get to major things we have to make sure we step forward in in all departments so um, having a pitch like that today and um, the facilities that we did have today and hopefully going forward then it's going to make sure that um, we can succeed in the future endorsement from yeah. Dykes yeah yeah, yeah. and look the, the 
Steven see players are canny and you really yeah. don't want to hear them Sam that's up to management and hierarchy sure. if there's going to be any criticism but what you can tell there it's not he's not said any negatives about the Orium but what he has said are plenty of positives about the new setup. you know walking in the dressing rooms the privacy the surface the feel good factor all of that so he doesn't need to highlight negatives there's plenty of positives to know there that the, the squad are in a really good place of, of because of the preparation that they're having ahead of Saturday Looking forward to it because by Saturday we forget about the training facilities or whatever it's Hamden itself and the game I see Andy Robertson's been in the media today out this morning in the kilt um, his charity is the STV nominated charity for the kilt walk so if you do a kilt walk on the 30th of April and you choose to walk for kilt walk that'll be for the STV children's appeal and it's the money's been distributed to young people playing football in disadvantaged area boys and girls through his charity AR26 which is a, a really good charity yeah good and and obviously the kilt walk's a brilliant yeah. uh, brilliant thing and good luck to everyone taking part um, as you're talking about um all the facilities, everything. It is all with the, the thought and, and to give these players the best chance of delivering for the country on Saturday and getting us off to a winning start. And I think I think that's one thing the group, no matter what, I, I, you just mentioned there, going back to Alex McLeish, who's speaking about Orium, they've never mumped and moaned about the Orium. Never publicly come out and said this, we aren't enjoying it. They have, as a group, they've just got on with it and that is their kind of mentality as a group. The World Cup qualification didn't quite happen. Right, okay. It's a sore one, but we go again. Let's get this country back to the Euros. Great point. Yeah, yeah. yeah look, we just we just want to be at major tournaments yeah. again, mm-hmm. uh, Paul. You know we've only been at one in the past what twenty five years. You uh, loved them, covering them. Ah, they were great. You could not. Uh, oh, listen, yeah. they were great. We were there together at Euro ninety six at France ninety eight. Lucky enough to still go to them and cover them for the Sunday meal when those Scotland went there. They were Japan oh two, Portugal oh four, Germany oh six, mm-hmm. Switzerland, Austria oh eight. So. Loved it, absolutely loved it. Great tournaments. And when, when you were there covering them, Paul, you felt no seeing the Scotland players, no seeing the Tartan Army, um, all that kind of thing. So it's great. And if, if Scotland can get to Germany in 2024, and I dearly hope that they do uh, make it, you know, I think they'll do well too. And I've, I've got a really good feeling that we'll be there. I can sense something in this squad. Really can sense something. I like Steve Clark. He's a really good manager. He's a top operator. Um, I think we're going to make it. By the way, it might be through the safety net of the playoffs, mm, yeah. but I think we're going to get there. Did you have any influence in the young Japanese players who are now doing so well? <laughs> when you, in fact, it was, wasn't it? In Japan, was yeah, it? In South Korea as yeah, well. Yeah. So do you think you inspired some of these young players now? The Kyogos, <laughs> well, Do you know, Paul, yeah. funny enough, I was talking about it today, going back you yeah. know, 21 years ago. It was in Japan and South Korea. Yeah. And, you know, don't mean this in a bad way, but Japan and South Korea, okay, mm. everybody's, yeah, and actually Japan did well, I think they did the... Was it Philippe Toisseau was the, the, the head coach of uh, of Japan at that that point? But you look at them and look at them now mm-hmm. and look at the quality of player that they've brought over to, to, to Europe. You know, you've um so yeah, but why not? You know, it's clearly enhanced them, it's given them a, an appetite for it. That's one of the good things about FIFA, taking the tournament around the world, okay. Some destinations have chosen, um have, have been ill advised. Yeah. But that said, the lights of Japan. South Korea it's had a major benefit on their country for f- football and it's now having a great impact uh, in Europe yeah and with, with the omission of Kyogo and Hatate, mm. 
They've either got an unbelievable squad or the world's worst talent spotter picking picking. <laughs> it's hard to believe, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. really, really yeah. hard to believe. But yeah, I mean, yeah. and and the, the bit that excites me about this Euros is it's back to the one country. Mm-hmm. I didn't, yeah. Although we got to the Euros and it was great to see the games, obviously not with a full house, but I'd be looking forward to trying to go to that one if it's just based in Germany. In Germany, it's a great country, isn't oh, it? If you've, we've covered many. Have you been to Germany football-wise? You have, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, we. Um, it's funny. I was talking about it today. We when it was at St Mirren, my first spell. A few of the guys, a guy called Andy Dorman, a yeah, big, lover, big Liverpool yeah, fan. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we spoke about going to the the semi finals was Atletico Madrid versus Liverpool and Fulham versus Hamburg. So we fully expected Liverpool to get there, but we've definitely expected Hamburg. It was a home city. We mm-hmm. thought Hamburg will win that, and if Liverpool don't get there, at least Hamburg yeah. home city sure. might be good. Fulham and Atletico won <laughs> and we got there and um, I didn't look at the weather forecast very underpacked we wanted about shorts and t-shirts oh, no. was there's that nobody me? there Fulham fans oh, hadn't arrived no. Atletico Madrid fans hadn't arrived I was in shorts Great. and t-shirts shivering my way around the, the Reaper band yep. <laughs> <laughs> typical Scott abroad but Germany is going to be special and let's hope that we're there and some of the countries such a great the stadia are brilliant there Mark aren't they yeah, all over brilliant yeah. Yeah, I've based myself in Frankfurt during uh, oh. the World Cup in 2006 Walter Smith so Scotland manager Walt was over mm. doing a bit of scouting on, on Italy uh, because Italy were in their section for Euro 2008 uh, campaign so we'd, yeah, a couple of nights with, uh, with Walter had, had some good fun some nights out a good friend yeah. Charles Young Sir Charles yeah some great um, some great fun with Charlie um, as well so no, listen it was um, it was good and it is a great country you know you look at the, the stadium Berlin yeah. You know, uh, the Schalke Stadium, the Dortmund Stadium, it's yeah. Munich, you know, it's absolutely brilliant. It's going to be it's going to be a tournament to behold. And I agree with Stephen, you know, it's nice to see it back in one country too. It certainly is. Um, let's hope that we make it. And then the World Cup qualifications as well, because there's nothing like it getting to a World Cup. The Euros is, is wonderful, but World Cup is uh, on another scale, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, What's your favourite one? USA and Mexico. Mexico. You were Mexico. I, I was indeed. I was yeah. very young reporter. Yeah. Mexico was brilliant. I mean, it was a madhouse. Mexico City, terrible poverty, great wealth as well. They were, you know, cheek by jowl. It was. Mad. I mean, the t- size of the city, huge. It was only a year after the earthquake. It was a terrible earthquake there, James. I know you were born around about that time, but <laughs> it, the people were so kind. Um, yeah, it, it was it was phenomenal. And Scotland, uh, the we scored against West West Germany as it was mm. in those days. And remember Gordon Strachan That's scoring because right. yeah, you still see it. Yeah. And he puts his, he tries to jump That's the right. advertising board and couldn't get across. Right. Yeah, ah, it was good. It was good. And, and then, then Uruguay uh, first minute they had a player sent off, and yeah. uh, we should have won. We didn't win. If we'd beaten them, we would have gone through. Mm. To that was hit. Um, Ernie Walker, who was the president of the SFA at the time, wasn't he? Yeah. He was the secretary, which was chief his comment. After the post-match, scum of the earth. He labelled right. Uruguay. I remember that great quote: "The scum of the, the scum of the earth." Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, we were we were so close. Sir Alex in charge, of course. Yeah, it was because um, of course Jock point. had died uh, just the year before, eighty-five. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, and you look back at that squad. What a talented uh, squad it was. Soon as was there, kind of who's pulled out with with injury. Alan Hansen, yeah. Roy Aitken, Charlie Paul McStay, Nicholas, Alec yeah. McLeish, um, Jim Layton, Charlie Nicholas. Um, Ali McCoyst was no, he was ninety. May have been there. Uh-huh. Uh, David Speedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Yeah, um, would have been there. Uh, so yeah, it was Morris Malpass, I think as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was a really good. Um, it was a good uh, World Cup. 
And then Italy in 1990. So Ali McCoy's top scorer, scoring for fun. Mm. And uh, the manager, Andy Roxburgh, names the team in the dressing room. And he goes, right, and it's Nally number nine. And he thought that was Ali. So he goes to get ready. No, no, it's Nally. It was Alan McAnally and Andy Roxburgh. And that was a mistake. Ali McCoy should have led the line. Do you remember? Yeah. I mean, it was unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, Costa, Alan McAnally. Costa Rica opening game. Yeah, it was yeah. Costa Rica. Yeah. And uh, the rest was history. I mean, because then we were, I mean, then we drew with Sweden. No, we beat Sweden. But we beat Sweden. Oh, we beat yeah. them 2-1. Yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah. that's right, yeah. yeah. Um, well, Alec yeah. McLeish and Stuart McCall, no. Two goal scorers, maybe, no. Stuart McCall, definitely. Yeah. 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 I was doing the uh, commentary at that time. And then, <laughs> but, yeah. what were we, we lost one night to Brazil. We did. Murder McLeod gets scored with the ball. Yep. And Jim, Jim Layton spilled it. That's right. Into the shot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they followed in. I couldn't quite believe we beat Italy. Uh, sorry, um... That we beat Sweden, Sweden, but we did. That's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, it was Saturday night in Genoa. Yep, I remember it. Yep. it was you were staying in Rapallo in Portofino, <laughs> aren't you? Just next to Big Derek and I were there for the steak and chips every night on the, on the Amex. <laughs> the big man was there. Right. Okay. Memories of the World Cup, but looking to make new uh, ones for the Euros. That's coming next. The Go Radio Football Show with MacklinMotors.co.uk. Your local friendly experts for new and used cars. Let's go. Go Radio Football Show with Macklin Motors, Stephen McGinn. Great hilarity in here. Let's hope there is on Saturday at four o'clock, which is when um, the game will finish. Of Oof, course, it's yeah. two o'clock kickoff, yeah. Scotland against Cyprus. We'll come back to that uh, shortly. And tomorrow, Stevie Clark will be speaking about the game and we'll mm. get to... It doesn't give you... Does it give you many hints beforehand, uh, the lineup, or most of people seem to think they know more or less yeah. the lineup. There's I, not I think too that... many... Imp- I think the, the the one will be who's going to get the nod for the number one. Yeah. I think that's a kind of the, the big answer. answer um, Angus Gunn. I think it'll be <laughs> Angus Gunn. But, but yeah. honestly, but I said it on Monday night, Paul. I genuinely believe it about who's impressed most in the past four days. You know, um, you know, working with Chris Woods. You know, getting a proper look because you know before we've always known it's going to be Craig Gordon or David Marshall. It was always a gimme. But now you've got three goalkeepers basically all starting from scratch. Um, you'd say that, that Angus Gunn has got the most experience. Uh, out of them but that doesn't mean to say he's necessarily the best goalkeeper mm-hmm. so I think it's definitely between Angus Gunn and um, and Xander Clark and for something like this as well you tend to find that they'll all have they'll all have very good ability mm-hmm. you know but it's it's about mentality decision making mm-hmm. you know, they, can, they can all make saves they can all come and punch a corner and, yeah. but it's about communication relationship with your back three your back four your decision making when to stay when to come off your line uh, and your mentality mm-hmm. Being able to handle playing in front of fifty thousand in a high pressure game, so that that's all key ingredients that we're going to pick the number one for Saturday afternoon. And do you think whoever is number one on Saturday will play? So long as he does well, plays on Tuesday. Yeah, well that, I mean that's that's a worry when it when it comes to who plays in goals. You're always fearful of whoever gets a nod making making a mistake, and and do you change it? Do you stick with them? I think all the things Mark's touched on really interesting there. The goalkeeping, the role of the goalkeeper is going to be different over the next two games. You're hoping that he doesn't have lots to do against Cyprus and he stays concentrated and makes the odd save if hopefully they don't have have that many attacks, but, but the odd attack that Cyprus have, whereas on Tuesday he's going to have to be really busy. For us to get a result against Spain, whatever goalkeeper Steve Clark goes with is going to have to have a real special night. Sure are. And what about this step up? to full international people say no matter who you're playing there is something it's an even higher level well we know that I wonder how big it is it's, I wouldn't underestimate the task for a, a, any new player especially a goalkeeper yeah, oh, look, yeah Paul it's well, there's, there's no hiding place it's a lonely position yeah. um, you know Stephen 
key word as well concentration um, particularly tomorrow so I think I, I, I like the fact that we've got the game against Cyprus and Saturday. I know what I'm saying it's going to be easy it's going to be a walk in the park Cyprus will definitely have their moments they'll, they'll, they'll get in and about the, the Scotland box whether it's from set pieces or open play so the goalkeeper's going to have things to do there's no doubt about that during the 90 minutes but you hope that it's part of a winning performance and they can pull off a couple of saves or a couple of good moments to put them you know, in a, in a solid frame of mind going into Tuesday night where Spain are going to dominate, you would imagine. They're going to sure. dominate the ball. They're going to dominate possession. They're going to be trying to pull Scotland all over the place and the goalkeeper's going to have, you would imagine, plenty to do. So for us to get a result on Tuesday night, the goalkeeper's going to have to have pretty much the game of his life. He's going to have to pull off three or four massive saves mm. during the 90 minutes. Hopefully not as busy on Saturday but it's a nice period just to, to bed them in I think, I think that is the, the kind of where the all the question marks over these three guys are and I'm sure each of them are dreaming about having that night but what what we did have before is we had three goalkeepers who were, we all had belief that had had that special night in the locker proving it for years and years Alan McGregor Craig Gordon David Marshall that generation's gone out now obviously Craig Gordon's hoping to make a make a return one day but who is going to step up mm. and, and, and take that chance to have the the, ga- the career changing mm. night that's what it would be a career changing night sure. do you think Craig Gordon will come back I mean if anyone can he he can I would imagine his... I think he's going to give everything I mean I don't know this personally no, but it looks sure. as if he's going to give everything he can to, to make it back and with the way I mean I remember Craig Gordon when Paul my brother Paul was at Dumbarton Craig Gordon was helping out Ian Murray and Jack Ross as a goalkeeping coach and it looked then like his career was over and he defied all um, advice to, to keep it going so I'm sure he'll give himself the best opportunity to continue his career And what about I want to ask you about Ryan Porteous we mentioned him in the last hour there's a great headline today about him at Watford now at Vicarage Road which you know well they're calling him the Scottish Bobby Moore. Bobby Moore, for the younger listeners, was uh, the legendary captain uh, of England who died some years ago. He died far too young and used to sing about him at Hamden very often. But and he was the man that lifted the World Cup. He was the captain of the team. So they're comparing him with Bobby Moore and saying you're the, the Scottish version of it. But he had a great line. Apparently, Ryan Portis says, no, I'm more like the Dow Keith Darren Dodds. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a sense of humour. Yeah, no, yeah. he's funny. Um no, but I think what I think I mean circumstance. What Watford, the Watford uh, that that I was at. I mean, the the fans liked it. it. Was a community club. They could relate to the players. It's changed in terms of the obviously well known the managerial yeah. um, merry go round that goes on. But it happens with players as well. Mm-hmm. And what Ryan's done when he's since he's gone down there is he's played with his heart in his sleeve, and they can relate to it. They buy into it. They they see yeah. that. If they get the chance to play for Watford, that's just how I would go about it. So, in terms of the players, the success of the model with the Potsos and, and the players they bring from around the world, he's someone, I know he's not from Hertfordshire, but he's someone they can relate to. This is the way I'd play for Watford if I get given the opportunity. Yep, Watford's quite a club. Who's the manager this week? Is it Chris Wilder? Chris Wilder. It, it changes every other week, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. Billich, and he yeah, it was. A couple of yeah. weeks ago. And yeah. I always remember the one with Billy McKinley, nine days. <laughs> Billy McKinley was a manager for what nine you, days what could go wrong in nine days it, it was when Roy Hodgson comes out of retirement you're thinking yeah. it's he's taken over yeah but his last job was, you forget you actually forget he was at Watford that's right Yeah, yeah. and that was a mistake what, what, well I don't know was it the bank yeah, balance, they, they 75 down, years yeah. old yeah yeah off to, and back in at Crystal Palace uh, can he get a tune out of Edward do you think 
Yeah, I mean, I think um, I watched Crystal Palace at, at Chelsea a couple of months ago when I was down, and it didn't look to be in any danger there. They were playing with, with a swagger, yeah. but I think I've not studied Crystal Palace every week. I don't think Zaha's been playing as often and that takes away a massive threat middle to front I mean Zaha's a proper match winner yeah. can do it with his eyes shut at that level I know he's out of contract so maybe Vieira deliberately left him out if he wasn't signing a new deal but I noticed he played last weekend there they'll need to get Zaha back in mm. get him in form because you look at it from 12th place down there's only four or five points uh, separating and, I, and I, I'm looking thinking oh, I can't believe Crystal Palace are sucked right. in all of a sudden yeah. Palace but then if you go unbeaten in 12 games or 13 games then you're going to get sucked in it I think Roy Hodgson, his previous spell, I think they moved him on, a mix of that and retirement. But yeah. It was known as being quite pragmatic and mm-hmm. they were counter-attacked. But I felt watching this current, I mean, over the last few weeks, there's so much talent in that front line. And I felt it was a thief in the Man City game. You're just sitting watching and, and, and it's as if they're playing out for a nil-nil. Mm-hmm. What Roy, Roy Hodgson, I hope he can go in and keep them, still make them hard to beat, but unearth, un- unlock the potential Edward. Get Zahab playing back to his best, Olise, Eze, they've got uh, a lot of attacking talent there that Roy Hodgson knows a lot about. He certainly does. Can I also get yeah. Dougie Friedman's there, isn't he? He's a director of football That's or right. whatever yep. his, his, his title is. There. So, yeah, Dougie, the good working relationship with Roy Hodgson um, as well. Mm. Staying on England and with some Scottish connections, there's no Scottish connection in this one, although Fraser Foster is a Scottish connection as he's been called up for England. What about Antonio Conte though? He's gone back to Italy. Is he going to come back? Will we see him back? Do you think that Spurs are all over? I think it's all over. It might survive to the end of the season, but I think um, Spurs today released a, a sort of summer pre-season tour plans and um, had their, their graphics out for it. No Antonio Conte, no Harry Kane uh, and the graphics to, to plug. Uh, and certainly, I don't think any of us expect Conte to be there next season as manager, but Harry Kane, I think that was quite significant. Wow. that Harry Kane was left off the, the graphic off the poster he's a world star um, yeah so yeah. I, I, that suggests to me that and rightly so by the way if he doesn't sign a new deal you've got to sell him you've got to get that 80 to 100 million mm-hmm. in the door from it, it makes sense you know Spurs still try to pay the, the stadium world class stadium but it cost him hundreds and hundreds of millions yeah. of pounds so if Harry Kane feels that it's time to try something different good luck to him mm-hmm. and I just hope that it's a nice partner of the ways if it comes to it Paul, because he's given them brilliant oh. service for, for eight or nine years. He might potentially be going to make them a hundred million in the transfer mm-hmm. market. Um, but it's maybe time for, for both of them to move on and try different things. Yeah, he's now the all-time top scorer for Tottenham, of course, overtaking Jimmy Greaves a few weeks ago. Uh, what do you think, Stephen? Do you think he is going to and it would be Man United? It's I mean, everything points to Man United. Mm-hmm. You think of you watch Man United and uh, big Vout Wegkast and He's, he's trying his best but you're just looking at Man United and saying he's never a Man United number nine and with with the summer with the way Spurs is you, you've got to think that Harry Kane must fancy getting to Man United as a number nine and Man United you know all the money men and women Mark what's the latest can you check the city there see is it going to be Sir Jim Ratcliffe or is it the Sheikh who's coming in with over five billion I see last night yeah. they didn't actually lodge the mm. second bid some bids came in for minority stakes in yeah. it but over f- I think there's been a lot of a lot of PR spin going on with the various bids. Yeah. Um, Paul, you know, ultimately, um, only the people representing the, the, the Glazers, the investment, but however it is, it's involved. Um, but it's a hell of a lot of money, mm. you know. But you're buying Man United, you're buying you know, a proper world class football club. You can argue it's possibly the biggest football club in the world. It's certainly um, right up there, probably in the top five. Um, 
yeah, it's a hell of a lot of money, but I think somebody's going to get it. I think someday, I think the Man United fans want change. I think the Glazers are ready to to go and cash in. And by the way, what an investment, what a bit of business from them. Whether you agree with how they've gone about it year to year, yep. that's up for question. Um, but if you're there and you're thinking, my God, what a turn they've had over the past 16, 17 years. Yep. Incredible. And I think the debt is still around the 500 million which is what it was when they moved in. So they've done well from it, but they want to get as much as possible. But the ground needs loads of work done, it doesn't it? The, and the training facility is not what you would expect of Man United. Yeah, well, I've, I've not been down at Old Trafford. Um, for a, no, for a long time. I was yeah. down for um, Champions League games years yeah. and years ago. Yeah. Um, not been down, but when you listen to someone, Gary Neville, who's quite clearly just a, a fan at times when he talks about Man United and he gets quite upset with the, the standards dipping below, but... I think there's a wee bit, I think the, the Glazer family are still a wee bit reluctant to sell. I think there's something in that that um, they're quite comfy with, with how it's going. So Jim Ratcliffe's bid, second bid has gone in today. And uh, final point then on England, playing tonight in Napoli against Italy. But more importantly, we hope there isn't too much trouble because, mm. you know, the, the ultras there have been uh, quite a lot of threats issued and anyone there from England would have to be careful tonight. Yeah, yeah, you know, there's a bit of history there. Yeah. Um, so we hope that nothing uh, kicks off off the park. And uh, cause certainly on the park, I think it's a, an intriguing game. Mancini um, against Southgate, yeah. rerun of the, the Euro 2020 uh, final. What a night. Um, that was what a game that both sets of players um, served the, the whole world up. Um, so, yeah, um, I fancy England, actually, Paul. Um, but... Um, I just hope it's a good game of football and everybody's safe and well. And of course, if Harry Kane scores tonight, he overtakes Wayne Rooney because they're yeah. both on 53 goals. Yep. So uh, you wouldn't bet against it, would you? Kane, no, he's, yeah. he's, he's phenomenal. And the thing is, you look at Harry Kane, he just seemed, I don't know him, he just seems such a family man, dedicated yeah. to his football, never been a negative word said or written about him. He's, he's low maintenance, he's a proper uh, captain. Um, as well of England he's not even the, the, the captain of Spurs he's behind Hugo uh, Lloris on that so he's just absolutely first class and if if he does Spurs decide to sell him in the summer it's it's the kind of transfer fee that probably only three or four clubs um, can afford Bayern Munich I think will push the boat out to get him Man United clearly because he's, he's that's sought after number nine and I think he's what is he 29 now or something yeah, like that yeah. you'll still get minimum you're getting four world-class years out of him, for sure. Um, so it would be a really good investment. And if he goes to Bayern, he couldn't overtake the all-time record held by Alan Shearer, who was golfing with her own John Hartson the other day. Well, they weren't actually golfing, but they, they met over breakfast at a golf course, Stephen, but Alan Shearer, he could overtake his his uh, all-time record. Yeah, and I think that would be part of... Uh, I don't see... I can see Bayern Munich having an interest in Harry Kane and vice versa, but I see Harry Kane's future in the English Premier League um, either continuing his story with, with Tottenham or moving to, to Man United. I think with Man City signing Haaland, that one's gone. The only other one's maybe with Chelsea um, with, with their spending spree, yep. but that would be crossing the London divide. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that game tonight. It's uh, Italy obviously not qualifying for the last two World Cups. They don't want to be taking any chances with, no. with qualifying. So maybe one of the reasons they've taken it to Naples, being quite a hostile arena. Is. Yeah, for mm. sure. What? Would Arsenal bid for him if they win the league? Oh, Would wow. Arsenal bid for Harry Kane? Oof. 
I mean, they have crossed the yeah. divide before, haven't yeah. they? You know, Ashley yeah. Cole. Saul Campbell. Yeah. Ashley Cole. No, I just wonder right. if... He'd have to maybe travel from Birmingham if he did that. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine <laughs> if this was uh, London's radio station just now? It'd all be kicking off, yeah, Mark. You'd, you'd yeah. be, we'd be opening the show with that line. Exactly. Better than my opener a couple of hours ago. <laughs> the Go Radio Football Show with MacklinMotors.co.uk Your local friendly experts for new and used cars. Let's go! Go Radio Football Show, looking forward to the game this weekend and looking forward to tomorrow night as well where Barry will be here along with Andy Walker. So no doubt we'll be talking about the three forthcoming old firm Glasgow Derby games coming in the next, what is it, five, six weeks? It'll be maybe seven weeks. Yeah, because we'll be, yeah. we kind of usually find yeah. the, the old firm games quite early after the split, yeah. uh, Paul. So you've got April the 8th, April the 30th yeah. and then I would guess it would maybe be be May the the thirteenth, right? Okay, I th- I'd yeah. maybe go, sure. maybe go because I think it's a holiday weekend, isn't of it? Course, so I think they the might King's go. Coronation. They might go the week after, but they might not. They might bring it forward. They might just get it, get it done. You'll hear it for here first, won't you? Mm. I think we'll. Uh, no doubt, Great Joe news. Maguire will be on it. You can imagine the palace will be phoning Joe. Go radio news, <laughs> quick, get it out. It'll certainly. Uh, Joe will be back tomorrow morning. And the breakfast show is coming from the wonderful McDonald's Centre at Aviemore. Oh, which I've been a few times there. Yeah, Aviemore. It's, it's magnificent. Like, oh, I used to go and holiday at Aviemore. Did you? Yeah. yeah. The, yeah. the kids, your mum and dad sent you one way ticket. <laughs> Somehow you did it. Set up a ski, something, no skis. Stephen, that'd be a great one for you and the children. As they get older, they'll love it. Aviemore. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've stayed in a couple of hotels in previous trips up to play in Verness and stuff like that. And brilliant. Um, a few great hotels and yeah. great chippy. Is it? Okay, oh, like thank you. Yep. Pricey now. Thank you, Gina DeCampo. <laughs> <laughs> Over there. Um, yeah, Joe Maguire's tuned in. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> Joining the growing band of people who say, what is this nonsense at the moment? Can we talk about the Scotland team for uh, mm. this weekend for those uh, just tuning in? Mark, then, for for you, I think you're yeah, three, Santa three, Clark. Yeah. Three, four, two, one. Xander Clark and goals at the back. Grant Hanley, Ryan Portis, Kieran Tierney. Mm-hmm. Uh, two wing-backs. Um, of part of the midfield four yep. Aaron Hickey on the right Andy Robertson on the left Callum McGregor and Scott McTominay as your two holding midfielders John McGinnon Lewis Ferguson and behind Shea Adams that's my starting 11 Stephen McGinn yeah I've gone for a 3-4-1-2 mm-hmm. Angus Gunn and goals a back three of Ryan Portes Grant Hanley Kieran Tierney wing backs on the right Aaron Hickey on the left Andy Robertson the midfield two sitting in there Scott McTominay and Callum McGregor with John McGinn behind Lyndon Dykes and Shea Adams strong it absolutely is strong and then you think for Spain they'll change it a little bit you probably do as well Mark but we'll do that no doubt yeah just I, th- I think Monday, um, I think I think Ryan Jack becomes an option mm-hmm. someone like uh, uh, Stuart Armstrong becomes an option I think I think they'll lose one of the strikers I mean we won't have a lot of the ball I mean the possession will be Spain will have around 70% of the ball and we're going to have to spend long stages without the ball and, and staying disciplined and not giving anything away because the one thing about this Spain team is they they, they give you a chance and they'll pass it about in front of you that they'll be they'll have some really good flow and moves but it's one that if we stay disciplined and take our, mo- our moment when it comes it's, we can get something from it Ryan Jack's never let us down has he Mark as I look at you at this point Ryan no, Jack. I, and, and I say and I know that, that, that Steve Clark Rates mm. them really, really highly, and that's why I wouldn't be surprised. But I think Stephen makes a good point there. What Stephen, what Ryan Jack does, I think, with the greatest respect, he's more of a destroyer than a creator. And that's not saying anything sure. about his ability, he's got very good ability. But 
his tactical discipline, the way he reads the game, the way he tackles, um, then I see him being a, an asset in the starting eleven um, against um, Spain um, on Tuesday night. Morata and Co. who will carry a threat, Steve? I think yeah. just touching on what Mark says, I think some of his best performances recently in the Rangers shirt have been maybe beside Raskin with a Tillman or a Cantwell in front of him instead of maybe the, the Ryan Jack John Lundstrom partnership or Glenn Kamara I, I don't know I just think maybe Ryan Jack takes a wee bit more ownership of the defensive side and lets yes. the other two boys get with the creative stuff going and that's good news for Rangers fans because they need that creativity you're absolutely right Lundstrom wasn't providing that was it just not his game particularly and not having his best season just now so for Ryan Jack Barry had him in his team on Monday night no yeah. last night he was giving a uh, his team uh, he was going there what about uh, Kieran Tierney any worries for you Stephen the fact that he's not playing enough I think I know the answer because Kieran Tierney's such a top pro what do you think I mean a, a wee bit torn on it because one thing we haven't had enough of the national team is Kieran Tierney mm-hmm. um, some of our biggest games in the last few years he's he's missed out from injury so as much as we'd love him to be playing and still doing what he, what he started doing at Arsenal and playing top of his form, the one thing it's meant is we're getting Kieran Tierney for these two huge games. So that's a positive, if, if we can spin it to a positive. But I think um, his last performance there, um, I think that was Kieran Tierney's best. Obviously, lays one on a plate. Um, he's great at that cutback, the, the disguised cutback. So that was Kieran Tierney's best. And it was good to see him playing with that, that freedom. Mark, any worries? No, absolutely none. No, he's a top professional, and even though he's, you know, he's not been starting a lot of games for Arsenal this season, he'll still be training uh, every day. You know, he's part of a setup that's got a fantastic mentality just now. Been playing great football. Again, you, you, you need to touch on his professionalism and dedication. The fact that he's not mumped and moaned. Yeah, no doubt he's probably chapped her tetas door a couple of times, and rightly mm. so. But Zinchenko's been playing very, very well, and it's a different role that we expect him to have. Uh, for Scotland but no Kieran Tierney is possibly possibly our best player so I have absolutely no concerns about him at all and we could have made the World Cup if he'd been fit at the playoffs yeah. we, we, all, we all knew we were going well, in without Kieran Tierney well, the system's yeah. kind of designed to get yeah. the best at Kieran Tierney and Andy Robertson in that partnership and if we don't have one of them the whole thing's I mean it's not knackered but no. as it gives us a massive disadvantage in terms of what we've been building um, and the one thing the injuries I mean it's a real sickness for him that probably not playing enough games Mikel Arteta gets the board to go out and get Zinchenko and yeah. what a good season Zinchenko's had so no disgrace playing second no. fiddle to, to the season he's had but that is true they built that team around those two it took time to get the two of them to work together Tierney and Robertson mm. but my goodness it works what about Andy Robertson we haven't spoken about him yet the captain um, he's been what do you think of him as captain of Scotland away? what he's brought to that role yeah I mean I I, I think um, going, going back I think he's maybe touched on it this, this week I think he maybe took too much on his shoulders tried to do too much too quickly as captain kind of felt the, the pressure when you think when he's got in we hadn't qualified for a major tournament since 1998 Things weren't quite, you know, so great. So it's taken a wee while for him to grow into the role, to relax in it, to delegate um, in it. So all those kind of different things, and then go into the pitch and, and try and find his Liverpool form. Albeit Liverpool have had a poor season by their standards, but a couple of years ago, bring his Liverpool form to think. And the key to that is being um, that partnership with Tierney. That's been been key to it. Um, they're both fantastic uh, players and the one thing you know about Andy Robertson he will give 100% he will get up and down that left hand side he will cross ball he will make sure guys around about him are playing because he sets a high standard uh, and he's a fantastic asset to have uh, as part of the Scotland team and what do you think on John McGinn 
sparing his brother's blushes. He's been so important for yeah. Scotland. Gets so many goals. He's yeah. a dynamo. What well, do you yeah, feel? And yeah, and what he's had to do this season is adjust and adapt yeah. to another new manager. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. happened a few times at Aston Villa. But by the way, each time they, they he impresses him. Mm-hmm. You know, Unai Emery's kept him on as captain. John picked up a niggle. He had to wait. He's out injured five or six weeks. Had to bide his time to get back into the team. And he's no come out it. Again, sometimes he's had to play wide right as part of a new setup with Emery. But Steve will know better than me. But Unai Emery absolutely loves him. Absolutely loves uh, John McGinn because he's got that. He's infectious. He's a top footballer, top professional. But he is. He's infectious about the place. And managers need that. They like guys like that. Mm. They run in their dressing room. He's not got an ego. Comes into his work. He not, all, no. no, he's not getting yeah. an ego. Comes into his work, likes a laugh at the right yeah. times. Great sense of humour. Um, and Unai Emery, Stevie Gerrard, Steve Bruce, Dean Smith, Alan Stubbs, various Scotland managers. All those guys can't be wrong about him. So he's a he is because Stephen he's a special footballer. Oh, Stephen, you are. How proud are you, wee brother? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I've actually he's back to his best at the minute. He's playing um, his best football for the last year or two. Um, he's he, the system, I think it's suiting him. I think he's closer to the, the action. He's more, he's higher up the pitch. He's, he's back to, he is back to John at his best. He's, he's playing with a real swagger again. Um, I watched him last week against West Ham, and I, I, genuinely, I know you might say I'm biased, but I'd, I'd call him out if I didn't think. I thought he was one of the best players in the park, and I think um, real strong form and, and good timing coming into to the Scotland camp. Scott McTominay has been, you know, in the in news in the last few days. Speculation that uh, Newcastle want him for next season. Stephen, could you see that? Would Man United part with him? Yeah, I think it, I think it would be good for for Scott McTominay. I think he's obviously Man United's a lot to give up, and he plays a lot of football there. But his minutes are are getting less and less, and he's becoming more of a. He's filling in at the minute. I think he's a chance to go to a brilliant football club in Newcastle and and be one of the main men that plays every week. I think in the summer, Man United will have another big transfer window and his football maybe go, his minutes will even go down even further. So I think it'd be good timing for him. Mark, what do you feel? Yeah, I think he's reached that right. stage. Okay. You know, he, he can play as a first team player in the English Premier League, you know, whether it's Newcastle, whether it's West Ham, if David Moyes stays there. Ah, West Ham, maybe. Yeah, yeah, they're certainly interested. Mm-hmm. You know, if they sell Declan Rice, I think they've looked at McTominay as a potential replacement. So, and I think as well, look, if you ask Eric Ten Hag, I'm sure he would say seven days a week, I want to keep Scott McTominay. However, there's an understanding that you can't stand the players because he can say, Look, I want you because I know you're a good pro. I know you can give me 50 good games this season, even if it's only coming off the bench for 20 minutes. I know you can give me that. However, I need to be a good human being and an understanding person about what you want from your career. Now, you're not a kid anymore, so reluctantly, I'll let you go, but the clubs that want you need to pay the right price. And you'd be talking about, I would imagine, absolute minimum, 30 million for Scott McTominay. Absolute minimum. Stephen, 30 million, Mark? Yeah, it's fair. I mean, um, got a bit of stick, him and the Fred, the partnership. But, yeah. I mean, to be fair to him, he's always put himself out there and... Um, He's been a good Man United player. Probably looking at someone that's missed out in this squad and it's probably due to lack of minutes, someone like David Turnbull. Yeah. Would he be looking this summer similar to, to move on to get back into this squad? Um, still someone that probably, as you just said, Eric Ten Hag, would Ange Postacoglu like to lose David Turnbull? Probably not. No. He probably loves yeah. the fact they can use him and rely on him, come on at the weekend 15 mm. minutes, but someone else that 
will be wanting to work their way back into the squad. Alex been on saying just the chat earlier on about Scottish-born strikers. What about uh, the Hibs and Hearts duo? And we know that we did touch on them, didn't we? We um, earlier in the program, Kevin is, but and also Lauren Shanklin, who sat in your seat about a month ago, and he's got what twenty-one goals. And this bit said uh, injuries, but yeah, there are some Scottish-born uh, strikers. Who's going to be the striker we're talking about? I guess it's going to be hopefully Shea Adams then. Big for us, especially against Cyprus. Mark, what do you reckon? And what's your scoreline? Hey, yeah, I mean, she had, I mean, Stephen fancies Shea Adams and Lyndon Dykes yeah. together on Saturday. I get that, actually. You know, I, I can see that um, happening. Um, you fancy it with, with John playing? I, 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 personally, I'd go, I'd go John McGinn and, and, and Lewis Ferguson yeah. in behind Shea Adams. I mean, maybe just, as I say, maybe just a, a wee bit too soon given what Lyndon Dykes has been through. That said, yeah. you want to go and try and win the game as quickly as possible, being the front foot. So you might start with a front two to try and get the game won and take Lyndon Dykes. So it might just be 45 minutes. Bear in mind you're allowed five subs now. Yeah. Go and give me your best 45, get us in a winning position, and we'll bring you off at half time. Who knows? Um, I'm going to go Scotland to win 2 1 on Saturday. 2 1 on yeah. Saturday. And that has been a recurring scoreline, hasn't it, between the two countries over the years? Stephen, what do you think is going to happen? I just, I mean, get into these campaigns as I spoke before. I've spoke about these games and and how they fall. This one goes straight in as a must win, and um, we need to do a job. But I trust this squad to get the job done, and a, a pretty comfortable two 0 victory. Two 0 victory, and it'd be the best possible start. I'll, you know, we'll know afterwards. Is it good to start with a Norway game or start um, as we are with Cyprus? I would, I would guess, as a, an observer, you'd want Cyprus, wouldn't you, just to get started. Not if Haaland's injured. Mind you, they could surprise us. Yeah, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. You never you never know. <laughs> Good point. Listen, thanks to everyone who's been on tonight on the socials. A lot of you coming on saying what the Scotland lineups are, not too far away from what you were both saying. Mark, when will you be back with us? Monday, Paul. Monday, Monday hopefully. With Barry. Yeah. Yeah. Looking, Looking forward, forward to, to that. Yeah. He's here tomorrow night. Two former internationals. Of course, it's uh, Barry and Andy Walker. Yeah. Enjoy the evening. You too, Paul. Have Stephen, a nice weekend. Has the wee one been sleeping? The baby? Um, they've taken turns to, to wake us up. But yeah, we're, we're battling on. The joys. <laughs> Good luck. I, I just said John there as if I knew John McGinn. You know, he's like, it's Mr McGinn to you. Stephen, thanks so much. Thanks, Paul. Good luck over the weekend. Mark, we'll be back on Monday. We're here tomorrow night with Barry and with Andy at five o'clock. Coming up next after the news, it's Jokal Day. The Go Radio Football Show with MacklinMotors.co.uk Your local friendly experts for new and used cars. Let's go! There's a new name for Toyota in Lanarkshire. From one of the UK's biggest names in motor retail. Macklin Motors Toyota is now open in Hamilton. We're bringing you everything Toyota backed by first class service. So come and view the stunning new Toyota range, all with up to 10 years warranty. Including the Igo Cross and the new Yaris Cross compact SUV. See our great choice of approved used Toyotas. Our formidable range of commercial vehicles, including the Hilux. Get expert servicing from our manufacturer trained technicians. And specialist advice from our motability team. Macklin Motors Toyota is open now at Whistlebury Road, Hamilton.